I really do appreciate the, the privilege of being with you today. We're, we are going to talk about um, the nature and danger of bitterness today. But I just want to tell you up front, this is like so stinking hopeful. This is so hopeful because if you are carrying a load, if you feel hurt, if you have broken relationships right now, there is such good news, such incredible, practical good news in God's Word today. We're going to look at just a a few passages in Ephesians chapter uh, 4, verses uh, 26 through 32. I think maybe it's there in your your bulletin. Let's take a peek at that first, and then we're going to jump through and and see what what God has to say. Let's read. The Apostle Paul says, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ forgave you. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for... My friends here today, I thank you that we uh, are in your presence, that you have our attention today, and we just stand in need. And we are not unaware of the schemes of the evil one as he comes into our homes, he comes into our schools, our workplaces, our relationships, uh, and just gives us a terrible time and gets us off track, gets us off mission. So I pray that you would help us to hear clearly today, open the eyes of our heart, that we may know your love for us, God, and that you would give us insight into ourselves and our relationships. We pray for your honor and glory, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Forgiveness is central to Christianity. And so for those who have been forgiven, we are supposed to be grace givers. We are supposed to be forgivers ourselves. It is who we are in Christ. That is at the center of who we are in Christ. So it should not be surprising to us that it is one of the prime areas where Satan is going to come in and attack us. Now, I I guarantee you, I lost a third of the people in the room when I said Satan comes against us because... We give, we, we say, yeah, there's, there's an evil being, there's, we, but we don't think there is a real battle that we are in all of the time. Satan has a job description. He came to steal, kill, and destroy. He hates your marriage. He hates you. He hates you walking with God. He hates your good relationships. He hates it that you're successful at work. He hates it that you want to walk with God. He hates it that you're humble. He hates it that you say encouraging things to the people next to you. He hates all of that stuff, and he's going to do everything he can to nitpick away and do it in such a subtle way that you're not even going to notice what's going on until you go, what happened to that relationship? How did that happen? How do we get so off track? It is a tall task in our society to live 
without forgiveness on purpose. And I'm going to bring us again and again and again back to mission because that is who we are. We are forgivers. That is who we are. I know for a fact that pretty much every person in this room has some legitimate reasons at this very moment to be angry about something. Angry at someone. Someone who has hurt you, you have reasons to be upset with them. There's no question about that. We're going to talk about the solutions to that, mostly next week, but today will be good too. We have God's mercy, we have his love, and we are actually, as beings in Christ, we are most like Christ, not when we make disciples, not when we preach the word. We are actually, I believe, most like Christ when we forgive. Jesus was on the cross. Last words he's saying on the cross there are not, Go make disciples. Go, although, I mean, great commission, absolutely, no question. What was in Jesus' mind at that moment, at that very moment, when everything in the world was unjust? What was in his mind? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Forgiveness was at the center of Jesus' mind. Jesus was thinking of me at that moment. That's what he wants He wants us to stay on mission, to be grace givers, because nobody else does that in our society. No one. Do you listen to the talk around you all the time? Holy cow. It's embarrassing. So, a thousand years ago, in another life, I was a missionary in uh, a dinky country in Africa that no one had ever heard of. And went there to share the love of God with people, mostly through uh, training pastors. That's why I went there. came on a seminary. I'm going to go and train pastors in this little tiny country that the pastors have like a sixth grade education. So I'm in good, good hands there. So I went to go train the people over there. So I'm learning the language. I'm trying to adjust to the culture every day. Third world country, every day is so stinking difficult. Every day to do anything was difficult. And... The country was in the middle of a lot of unrest at the time. So there was a lot of violence. There was a lot of thievery. There was gunfire. There was all kinds of craziness going on. So it was very stressful. I was very stressed there as a missionary. But I had to go in town for supplies. That was something that I would do like once a week. Well, when you go into town for supplies, you actually have to hire a thief to watch your car so that some other thief doesn't come and steal your windshield wiper blades, which is upsetting. So I just pulled up to a store. I'm going to go in to see if the laundry soap has finally come in. And some kid runs up and takes my windshield wiper blades just like that and runs off. I've had it at this point. And so I get out of the car and I chase him. So now I'm running down the streets of Kigali through the the center of the marketplace with hundreds and hundreds of people lining the streets, and it turns into like a flash mob Olympics. So people are watching, because you don't do that. People run off, and that's it. They've run off. No, I'm going to catch this kid. So I'm running. He's in his, you know, dirty brown school outfit, bare shoes, or no, no shoes, 
I'm running, I got my khaki pants, Detroit Tigers t-shirt on, and I got my work boots on, and I'm chasing after this kid. And he peeks back, and, and I'm gaining on him, and he's like, they don't do this. So I, I go, I don't know how long the race, I'm going to say it was like a kilometer or something. It seemed way longer than that. But I catch him. I actually catch him, and I take my windshield wipers back, and then uh, two soldiers who at some point have joined the race, um, come up there and they grab a hold of this kid. And what they do with thieves uh, in Rwanda is they beat them. That's what they do with them. So I'm like, wait a minute. So, you know, in my broken Kinyarwandan and English and Dora the Explorer Spanish, I try and talk them out of, you know, beating up this kid and say it's okay and the kid is able to go away then. All right, so now I'm doing the walk of shame back to my car through the people who are like, Mazungu, Mazungu, white man, and uh, going back to my car. When I get to my car, there is this menacing thief who, on many occasions, has, and he is, he's not the guy I want to hire to watch my car. He's a bigger guy. Um, he's not a good guy. Uh, and he is there, and he has been watching my car. I'm a franga. He wants money from me. And I'm irritated. I'm like, oh yeah? No. Get in my car, my little van there. And uh, he asks again, and I say no. And he reaches in and he grabs my arm. And at this point, nine months of frustration and coming to help these people and do whatever, all of that sort of mission and purpose went out the window, and I took off my glasses, and I set them in the seat next to me, and I got out of the van, and I stood up tall, and I said, Guino, come. He was surprised by this, um, and he turned around and disappeared into the crowd. So I got back in my van, half full of myself, three quarters really happy that he had walked away. Um, and I'm shaking, start the van up, and I'm going to drive away, and I can see him in the crowd as I'm driving away. And I leaned out the window and I said, Jesus loves you. I, I wish I'd have done that. No, what I did was I shook my fist, and in English, mind you, I said, next time, buddy. Next time. Drove away there. Uh, for years, actually, my children will taunt me when I'm frustrated with, next time, buddy. Yeah, yeah, thanks, nice. It's a hard story, though, because... Um, probably two weeks after that, Rwanda disintegrated. And it is very, very likely that this young man was no longer with us, along with most of the population of that capital city. That was my last words to this kid as a young missionary coming to share the love of God with this country was, next time, buddy, come here. 
how in the world did I get so off mission? How did I get so off track? You guys, if you're going to call Jesus Christ your Savior, your Lord, you're following Christ, you're on mission, you're on purpose right now. Right this, at, at this moment, in your homes, in your marriages, you are on mission right now. And we're going next time, buddy, and come here, and, and all kinds of wonderful stuff. Inside the church, outside of the church, in the workplace, that's bitterness. That's bitterness. Satan loves it. Now, I have good news and bad news. The good news is you can be angry. You are allowed to be angry. In fact, it's an imperative in the text. It's, it's a concessive, which means that God knows we're going to do it, and so he says, yes, be angry. The, the hard news of it is, though, but don't sin. Be angry, but don't sin. Well, that's no fun. You know, the, uh, there's a lot of satisfaction, briefly, in adding a little bit of sin to the anger, is there not? Just kind of getting it off your chest. I got an amen, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Look at the text with me again. We're going to look at the nature and danger of bitterness. Be angry and do not sin. Do not, the, do not let the sun go down on your anger. Paul takes that passage from uh, Psalm uh, 4, 3 and 4. says, Know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. That's you. The Lord will hear when you call him. Do not, in your anger, do not sin. And when you're on your beds, search your hearts and be silent. In your anger, do not sin. When we get angry, there is a knock. There is a knock at the door. In the same way with uh, Cain and Abel, God said, uh, God said to Cain, you know what? Be careful. Sin is crouching at your door. Just, just waiting there. There is a knock, and you're going to decide, am I going to sin, or am I going to deal with this anger in, a pos- in, a, in the way that I should? James uh, 1.19 tells us that man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. I mean, fathers should have that almost tattooed on themselves, you know what I mean? Man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God... Gosh, so many times, when I think about... Looking at my, I met another Benjamin this morning, but my Benjamin, my older one, is 27 now. But I can still see his mischievous little face there in Africa as a two-year-old taking eggs from a uh, refrigerator, and we had chickens, and going, just delighted. And I was angry, <laughs> so angry. When I think about the times that I got so angry at my son, gosh, I wish I'd have done that different. Man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Um, and Paul says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. That should be in our bedrooms, married people. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Because anger, if left unchecked, grows. And you're going to say, no big deal, I forgive, we'll just forget about it, time heals all wounds, no it doesn't. 
It just gets it just gets put away. That's all. It's saved. And you wonder why do I get so ticked when the toothpaste cap is off? Why is it why is it that when my my kid leaves a plate in his room, just leaves a plate in his room that I'm about to go ballistic. Why is that? Because it's not about the plate. It's about the 67 things before that that I'm now picking up when there's a plate that's there. Deal with your anger, otherwise it grows. I don't have my prop, but I used to have this huge plush angry bird that I would hold up at this point here than just, you know, the big old... Because it does not stay little. It just doesn't anymore. It comes out of us. It grows and it wrecks stuff. Commit to deal with your anger. I'm so grateful for a wife that won't let me get away with stuff because I'm tired at the end of the day. I just want to go to sleep. I'm tired. And there's the three words that every man just, oh, his heart sinks when he hears them. Can we talk? (laughs) Guys, let me... Women, just don't listen to this for a second. If she says, can we talk, you say yes. And you sit down with a notepad. And you just get ready because she's about to tell you who she is. It's when she stops saying, can we talk, that you need to start to worry. Because then you're going to be trying to chase her down to figure out who she is. And that is not figure outable. Okay? That's a God thing. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Don't let it happen. Fix it. It makes for some long nights, but it is worth it. It is worth it. My friend will call me up and say, how are things going? And I will say, my wife likes me. And I am happy. (laughs) That is not always the case, right? We live in the real world. Most definitely. Anyways. Carrying bitterness not only... And this is going to be a key. Caring bitterness not only affects our relationship, but it acutely affects your relationship with God. Listen to this. You cannot come and worship God if you have bitterness. If you are holding something against someone, you cannot worship God with that. God says, go straighten it out. Go straighten it out and come back. Commit to deal with it. It affects our relationship with God. Why? It's this big spiritual thing that's going on. Do not give the devil an opportunity. Do not, the the word is uh, the same word that um, we get topography from. We give Satan a place. We set up a place for him to do his work when we choose to hang on to anger. It's the same word, interestingly, that Paul uses in uh, Romans 12:19, where it says, Do not repay evil for evil, but leave room for the wrath of God. Same word that's used there. Don't give the devil a place. Give God a place to do his work. We think we're our defender. We think, I need to straighten it out. I need to tell, I need to tell people the way that it is. We've got to remember that God, when it comes down to it, God is our defender. I'm not saying be a doormat. I'm close to that, though, at times. I won't, I won't, I, I'm, okay, why don't I just say, be like Christ, okay? We'll just leave it at that. Just be like Christ. Pattern yourself after Christ, who was kind of God and set it aside. And anyways, we'll talk that later. 
People need grace. People need grace. People need forgiveness. And when you will extend that to folks, it changes lives. It changes marriages. It fixes. It heals. It is God's tool. It is God's idea. And it works. And it is wonderful. And it is hard. And you will not want to do it. Because it doesn't seem fair. Because they hurt me, and now I'm supposed to do something about it? That's backwards. They should do something about it. God doesn't work that way. God says, I want you to forgive. And I'm going to tell you, the freedom that you find when you do forgive, oh, it's a happy thing. It's a hopeful thing. Let me spell out some symptoms of, of bitterness. Look at uh, Ephesians 4, 28 through 31. Um, verse 28, this seems to be like, why does this even fit in here? Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up that fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. What is the thief thing sitting in the middle of there for? It seems out of place. Every now and then, there will be lists of things that Paul will do, so that is one option. Paul is just saying, you know what, there's a lot of thievery in Ephesus, and thieves, stop stealing. You you should be working. You shouldn't just be stealing. But the thing that connects it with this context here is, it says... Do honest work with your hands that you may have something to share with anyone in need. There's that, there's a little word that's there, anyone in need. Then he says, don't let corrupt talk come out of your mouths, but only such is good for building up. That same word fits the occasion there. So people need us to help them in some way, but people need grace. People need grace. We live in a graceless society. They need God's grace. Only what is helpful. Say words, only words that are helpful uh, for building up. The word is edification uh, that's there. Uh, they're, they're building. It's a strong building. If you want a strong home, you want to build. You want to build with a solid foundation. Paul says, don't let corrupt words come out of your mouth. That's a word for crumbly bricks. Bricks that are falling apart. When we say crumbly brick words, unwholesome words, it's also used actually for putrid fish kind of words. A lot of, if you turn on the news at all, seems to be a lot of putrid fish sort of words that are coming out. They're tear-down words. They're words that tear somebody down, belittles them, makes them uh, look bad in some way. They're, they're tearing down language. Um, and, I mean, we could easily get off on our whole political climate that we're in right, right now. Um, wouldn't it be amazing if, during the debates, they would say, you have a very good point there. <laughs> that, that is excellent, and we should look into that. That was a very intelligent answer that you just gave there. What do people do? It's this back and forth, back and forth, teardown kind of a thing that's going on. But we, it, it comes out of us as well. And do not, verse 30, uh, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God through whom you were sealed 
for the day of redemption. We're supposed to be grace givers. God is, God is a grace giver to us. And the Holy Spirit, that's His mission. His mission is to point to Christ, point to Christ, point to Christ. So us, being filled with the Spirit of God, filled with the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, all of these things are to come together and people are to see that. And when we're not like that, we grieve the Holy Spirit. When we, with, we, can, we think it's kind of optional. I can be nice today. I can, you know, say something nice here, whatever. And we kind of think good of ourselves if we, if we do it well at times. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit with the things that you say. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit with the things that you are thinking. Those, those wrecking ball things that come through, that just, ah, Holy Spirit's going, no, don't do that. And if you do not listen long enough, you start to stop hearing him. Pretty soon, you're just doing whatever and it seems right. And we start to sound like everybody else. And then people say, Christians are no different. They're no different. And they're kind of right. All right, are you ready? Here comes a checklist. You got to look at yourself and take a peek at this. All right. Okay, again, uh, this is another one of these things where you're going to go, gosh, I wish George was here today because George could have really used, you know, X. You're going to hear something that will definitely apply to someone else. But I just want to <laughs> just try and put it on you today, all right? Uh, so let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander be put away from you along with all malice. Bitterness. What is bitterness? Bitterness is looking for a flaw. There it is. I knew that's what they were like. See it? There it is. Just waiting for a person to fall. Waiting for a person to goof up because it reinforces my opinion of this person. See? That's the way they are. That's bitterness. And even if somebody says something good about them, hey, they're, you know, George also does so, so, and so, you'll say, yeah, but come up with six other things that aren't so good about the person that's there. Because you want to put that on the scale over here because that will outweigh the good thing that was there and then you can continue to hold the bitterness that you have towards that person. We read, and thank you for whoever put the first passages. That was awesome. Uh, uh, Hebrews uh, twelve fifteen. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble. It just, it springs up. It, it, it just does. We, we think it's not going to happen, but it just does. I have a heck of a time growing a lawn in my backyard, but I have got these thriving weeds coming up through my driveway. Why is that? That makes no sense. There's flowers, they're happy, there's birds in them, you know, it's just, what is this? It is like that with bitterness, where you try and, you know, you, you read your Bible, you try and pray, you do whatever, and all of a sudden, here's this thing that's here. That's where you not, you need to not be like angry at the person, you need not, to not be angry at yourself, you need to think, okay, Satan is doing something here, and I'm going to stand against this. I'm going to recognize this and I'm going to stand against this. Bitterness. How does God look at you? How does God look at you? Ha! 
I knew it. Knew it. There they go again. 74th time. Yeah, today. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Second Chronicles 16.9 The eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth that He may strongly support those whose heart is completely His. If God is for us, who can be against us? The end of Romans chapter 8. Oh my goodness, we could just go down and down the line about God's attitude towards us. God is rooting for us. The opposite of bitterness. That's how God feels towards you. Don't look for ways to reinforce your sin. That is not who you are in Christ. Second, rage and anger. Um, gosh, the, the incredible tragic shootings that have been around us. And somebody asked the Gilroy shooter, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? He said, I am so, what? Angry. I am so angry. And, you know... People are talking about, they're like, oh, it's a big mental health issue. You know, if we had stronger mental health in our country, you know, if we, people went through more therapy, more, really? Is that what we have? Is that what's going on? Now, we are, we are complex beings, right? We have our mental, physical, uh, emotional, and spiritual aspect of ourselves. And there is certainly a balance of all of those things where we need support but if you got some guy killing himself or killing a bunch of other people or in Rwanda where an eighth of the country was killed in a month, this is not a mental health issue. Do we not smell the brimstone in this? This is a straight from hell issue is what this is. And this is what is assaulting our country today. And you and I are called to be different. We are called to be different, to stand against that to stand in contrast to it. Rage and anger. Rage and anger. Uh, it means keeping track of wrongs. You ever find yourself saying, you know, that's the fourth time that you've, that's the sixth time that you've, and you always, and you never, and I always, and you never, and right? And then let me do my second part of it, and there's the... Don't say that. Don't say that when you're talking with your spouse or your kids or whatever. Always and never is probably not accurate. But it does say, I am keeping track of every time that you do that. What does love do? You know, you know 1 Corinthians 13. Love keeps no what? Yeah, no record of wrongs. Love keeps no record of wrongs. Clamor, brawling. Um, uh, it's next time, buddy, um, is what that is. Um, it's actually used of grunting pigs. And so, for me, it is muttering under my breath. Um, when my wife is asking me if the front door is locked, and I tell her, yes, it is, and she says, should I go check? <laughs> Did you really lock it? Yes, dear. <laughs> we have mutterers in here, I know it. I know we have under your breath mutterers. That's me. I, I'm really good on, you know, loud. 
Under my breath? Not so good. Not so good. Clamor. Slander. Slander is abusive speech. It's not harmless ribbing. It is abusive speech. And it may actually be something true about somebody, but it is meant to hurt. You can say something true, but it means you mean to hurt somebody with what you're saying. It's not meant to be constructive. It's not meant to be helpful. It is meant to hurt them. And the last one is malice. Malice waits for a person to fall and then delights in their failures. They deserve that. They deserve that. See what happened to them? Love does not want someone to fall. Love does not want someone to fail. Love hopes and prays that God will get a hold of them. Do you know we live amongst a lost world that does not know the love of God? This has been so tested in our lives the last three months. God must love you people so much. I'm telling you, as I've been preparing for this, he must just love you people. Because our family has been practicing. (laughs) And we're going to talk about that more next week. But realizing that people in our lives who are like, hurtful and dishonest and awful that they don't know Christ. And as my anger is towards them, we're we're coming back around to the fact that, wow, this person is going to be lost. There will not be maybe a next time with these people. That's living on mission. That's living on purpose. Where am I? All right. Unforgiving heart pushes people away from Christ. And listen, you are an ambassador for Christ. You are a new creature in Christ. You are a minister of reconciliation. I can go on and on and on with what the scriptures say. But the short answer to bitterness is be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ forgave you. Was the thief in my story before, was he my enemy? Was he my enemy? Why was, why was that so painfully obvious to you guys that, that I should not have been doing what I was doing at that moment? Why was that so obvious to you? And it was not obvious at all to me because I felt very justified in raining down the wrath of God upon this person, I thought. That's what I was going to do. Because I got off purpose. And what we're going to find is that it is possible to forgive. It is freeing to forgive. Forgiving is not forgetting. Forgiveness is a choice. But since God requires it, He will give you the ability to do it. Forgiveness is not even between you and the other person. It's actually between you and God. It's about your relationship with God. Forgiveness is agreeing to live with the consequences of someone else's sin. You will do it anyway, whether you forgive or not, but you're agreeing to live with those consequences and not hold it against them. Forgiveness must be from the heart. It's not an easy thing. It's got to be from the heart. Don't you want to lay that burden down? Don't you want to get rid of that heaviness?
Come back next week. We'll talk about it, all right? Let's pray together. Father, thank you uh, so much for your love and mercy and forgiveness. We just thank you that you just lavish that on us. While we were yet sinners, shaking our fist up at you, that you died on a cross for us. Um, And I just pray that you would help us this week, uh, that you would protect us this week, that you would fill us up with you this week, God, that we would learn these these principles, the hard lessons uh, right now in our lives, God, that we would have the tools to be able to do what you're calling us to do, to be who you're calling us to be. And we ask these things for your honor and your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.